during the day that we will be uh, in our own parking lot able to sing ourselves that we hear a word from Luke's gospel as Mary sings to us. So I invite you to, as you're able and where you're, wherever you may be to stand in the hearing of the gospel this morning from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 as, as we continue this story that Jack began for us this morning. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I have to have the feeling that John the Baptist was always someone who made himself known when others were around because today he continues to be in our story just like he has been for the last few weeks. He's still making his presence known even from the womb of his mother Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit was already at work in him as he welcomes Jesus' presence today. Even so, Elizabeth and Mary, they are our prophets today. In fact, if we take Mary's song as we just heard it seriously, we can only surmise that Jesus learned a good bit about his prophetic ministry and message from his mother Mary. Today, Mary and Elizabeth are included in a long line of prophetic women. Hannah, whose song is in 1 Samuel, likely inspired Mary's song today. Miriam, way back in the book of Exodus, and Deborah in the book of Judges. The scriptures identify these two women as servants, but it's still very likely they were upper middle class Jewish, from, from upper middle class Jewish families. Mary, whose lineage included Elkanah, has priestly background in her life. And Joseph, whose heritage goes back to King David, had a royal background. And later on in Jesus' ministry, it will also include other women like Joanna and Susanna and, and Mary Magdalene, who had a central part in his ministry and funded his ministry. And this pushes against a lot of the notions, or popular notions, that the Holy Family was, was poor or that women were less likely to have leadership roles in Jesus' life and ministry. It's just not so. Even so, being one from Israel, being Jewish, being women, and residing in the nation that lived under the heavy hand of Rome, these two were in no way socially or politically equal to the powers of the world that they existed in. The children they carried would have some grand names. They would be called prophet and baptizer and messiah and savior. But they had no real authority in the world, at least not in the realm of earthly kingdoms they did not. 
Now, one commentator in my readings this week pointed out that this is a, a type scene. Now, whether or not you've heard that phrase, type scene, it's something that you have seen many times before. For instance, if you turn the channels to a TV and what you see on the screen are two men in cowboy hats and they're at a distance from one another on a dusty street and they have a hand hovering over a pistol that's holstered, you know exactly what's happening, right? And you know what's happening because you've seen this many, many times before in many other movies. You know that some kind of shootout is about to take place. Well, the Bible is, is full of type scenes. For instance, if someone wanders out into the wilderness or someone makes their way up to a mountain, you can guess that God is about to show up in some subtle or grand way. Whether that be in the burning of a bush or pillars of fire or thunder on top of a mountain or clouds that move in and, and envelop everyone. Or if an angel appears on the scene and begins to talk to someone who has not mothered before, you can guess that a child's promise is about to come and, and that that child is going to lead God's people again. It happens many times in the scriptures. Yet here in today's story, there's something unique and a little bit different. It's not exactly like all the other stories. Imagine, if you will, going back to the type scene I mentioned earlier. Imagine turning the channel and seeing two cowboys in that type scene as you've seen it many times. But then in the background, a polka dotted alien ship lands or something obscure. Well, it, you recognize it, but it's altogether different. It's not quite the same. Today's story is a little bit like that. It has all the trappings of all the stories where angels appear and announce that some child is going to be born. But this one is quite different. This one has more impact today. Yes, a child is promised that will be born, that will lead God's people, yet... Mary, Mary is barely old enough to have a child. She, she's not married. It has not been her lifelong anticipation for this announcement to come. She's too young for that. In fact, this news will do more to make her life more difficult than it might seem a blessing at first. Joseph had a hard time accepting this. Immediately, Joseph doubted the whole thing, as Matthew tells his side of the story, and he was ready to dismiss her outright, but the angel came to him and convinced him that, yes, this is different, but this is true, and, and to have heart and to have faith. Now, even if the angel's visit here resonates with the other stories about births, it also inspires questions, important questions. Why this person? Why Mary? Why is Mary God's choice to enter into the human condition in the world? Well, I believe that Mary answers that question rather quickly. And I say that because her response, I believe, tells us a lot about her. Much of what we need to know about her and perhaps why God chooses her. Her first response is to worship, to praise God, to delight in God's favor. Yes, there was fear, and there was worry, but in the Bible, you just realize, you might not realize, but the word for fear and awe is the same word. So Mary's fear is not one that, 
that binds her down. One, it, it inspires interest in her. It awes her that God has come to her. Maybe she's already endured things in her life, even at a young age, that, that remind her that God is with me and that God will walk with me because she had experienced it before. Maybe others had taught her this like Elizabeth. This was scary news, no doubt. But instead of acting out or doing something, she ponders things. She, she begins to ask good questions. She wants to think about this. She, she wonders, well, what are the ramifications of this? Not only for herself, but for the whole world. She begins to ask those questions. How often do we, in the face of those things that might scare us or give us fear, how often do we act before thinking? How often would it be best if we would pause and ponder and think, as Mary does, before making choices? You see, I believe that God chooses Mary with no less thought than God chose David or Abraham or Moses. Mary was a thinker. She was spiritual. She listened to God and she she seems to be wise beyond her years even. And what's more, she recognized the implications, even the political implications of what is being said here. She knew that the Messiah's return would be good news to the poor and the weak, and it would be, well, bad news for those in power or those who are wealthy and less than generous. All this to say that, yes, Mary may have indeed been a mild and meek and ordinary person in the world, but I believe we're mistaken to think that she was anything less than capable. We have every reason to think that God knew her well enough to know that this could be asked of her. She was the Theodicus. She, she was the, the bearer of God. She was the God-bearer because God knew that she was up for it. Now, I don't think Mary intuitively knew that it was good news. I think Mary, as I had mentioned, she learned. She knew about God. She knew God's ways. She did not passively say, here I am, Lord, as if she's some simple character in a cosmic story of God's entering the world. She has substance. She's mindful of the ways of the world. She knew the ramifications. She was up for this. She was qualified for this. In other words, Mary didn't come on the scene just so that we might have touching Christmas moments in a warm manger, although we do have that. But God favored her because she was faithful. Which makes me want to ask us, you and me, are we up for the task as Mary was up for the task to be bearers of Christ in the world? I'll ask those of us who have been part of the body of Christ for some time now, have all these years prepared you and me? Have all these years of, of learning and following Christ prepared us for such a thing in our own day? In the face of hard or trying or difficult and tough decisions, are we inclined as Mary to ponder and discern and seek the Spirit when the need requires it? And once more, do we lean on each other in the process? Look again at what Mary did after the angel came to her. She went to see Elizabeth. I think that she knew that Elizabeth trusted the Spirit. She knew that Elizabeth was familiar with the Lord. She knew that she could rely upon Elizabeth 
to help her discern this even more and to share this with her. And don't we need people like that in our own lives? We need people that we can go to to help us to discern and understand things. This is how God works. God doesn't often send Gabriel to tell us what we need to know, right? But we've been given the church. We've been given this community of faithful people to help one another affirm and to discern and to think and to be together in our hearing. We have pastors and faithful friends. We have all the means of grace that have been given to us to access the Holy Spirit. So if you are up against something these days that has you wondering, is this good or bad, right or wrong? Is this God's will or is it, is it my will here? Which is it? Ask God to direct you. Test it. Yet, reach out and listen to people that you know already lean on the Holy Spirit. Call on your pastor. Develop relationships with godly people who will help you hear God's call in your life and who will help you discern when God is speaking. Now be wary of those who always tell you what you want to hear and be wary of those who always have the good answer for you. Trust those who can tell you no. Trust those who have good boundaries and lean on those who love you enough to disappoint you from time to time, to give you the hard truths and able to do that because you know that they will love you and you will love them through it all. There are so many things about the life of Mary that we can learn from. And I want to go back to a moment of something I briefly mentioned in terms of worship and her ability to face hard realities and to still have peace. I came across a story by the Reverend Dr. William Self. The story goes as this, that two artists were commissioned to paint their conception of peace. A panel of distinguished artistic judges would determine which of the artists had truly captured an image of what peace is. The winner would get a rich commission for this. And after they had been painting for a long time and had finished their work, the judges assembled and they began to view the paintings. Well, the first artist unveiled his painting, there was a, a wonderful pastoral scene. A farmer coming into the house after a long, hard day of labor. His wife was cooking and his children were playing around on the hearth and all was at peace in this tranquil and beautiful farm. And the judges saw it and they said, well, well, that's it. That's exactly what we asked for. But we'll go ahead and look at the other rendering, give it its due. And then they removed a very different, the veil off a very different kind of painting. And instead of a tranquil pastoral scene, there was a, a raging waterfall producing a mist that communicated hostility. But over the side of the waterfall was a tiny branch of a tree and on the end of that tiny branch of a tree was a bird's nest and on the edge of that nest was a mother bird singing. And the judges thought for a moment and said, oh, this is peace. This is tranquility. This is celebration in the midst of turmoil. If there is a better image of Mary's strength and of worship and of peace 
that we understand at Christmas, I can't think of a better one. This is the image of Mary today that we need, I believe. Mary is like this mothering bird nested on the ter in the turmoil of the world, but choosing to worship God and praise and have peace by singing words of prophecy about a world that is to come. And she praises the Lord. Christ is the child in the nest that needs tending to in this harsh world. And all these things that, that I have spoken of Mary today, she will teach them to him in the days to come. Mary was in the nest of her home when Gabriel arrived on the scene to announce this. And she relied upon the songs of the prophet to bring her peace and hope. And today you and I worship in the nest of our own home. And this message comes to you wherever you may be. And Mary is singing for us again today. And her song is one of hope and resistance and glory to God. Now I realize there, everything, there are many things this year that make it hard for us to sing. I mean, really sing more than just the words or the sounds. I mean, to sing eternally. It's, it's a hard year, isn't it? But we've all been given the task nonetheless to sing the prophetic joys of Mary. She is our teacher. She is our prophet today. Mary is any one of us who has ever in the face of things that are too big for us to overcome. She is any one of us who has ever been scared and stunned on the cusp of being overwhelmed, but still choosing to have joy. There is not a day in our life that we do not have to answer this call to be servants of God in a world full of trials. Every day we must choose to declare to God as Mary did, here I am, Lord, your servant. The days ahead will always prove that sometimes this is a hard choice to make. The choice to be kind, the choice to be forgiving, the choice to love our enemy, the choice to be responsible or ethical or fearless and persistent in sharing the love of God in Christ, sometimes it comes at great cost. And I have a feeling that if Mary were here today, she would gently remind us that Jesus' life before the resurrection, it began in a manger and it ended on a cross. And this is our message. This is the persistent message of Advent. These are the things that make a way for Christ to enter into our world today. And the question that we're consistently asked during this Advent season is, will we be such witnesses when the time and the moments present themselves? In truth, the real glory of today's story perhaps is not what happened the moment that Mary sang after standing face to face with an angel. Think about this for a moment. If the angel walked into your room right now and asked you to do something for God, could any of us tell an angel no? <laughs> I mean, really? Sometimes, you know, those, those moments present themselves. And I, I would never tell an angel no. But you see, the real glory of this story 
is after the angel has left. The real glory of the story is sharing the love of God when no one's looking. The real glory of the story is when Mary and we choose time and time again in the years ahead to keep saying yes when the angel is no longer with us. This year, once our mangers are empty, once all the angels of Christmas have moved along, once the festivities are past as subdued as they may be, and once we have declared that Christ has been born in the world, will we continue to say, Here I am, Lord, your servant. May our souls magnify the Lord. May our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. For the Holy One has looked with favor on the lowliness of those called servants of the Most High. Thanks be to God. Amen.